horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. All right, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I am John Englehart. I'll carry you through the next hour with two outstanding guests and news of the country and some great races to handicap, ladies and gentlemen. This is we're finally getting back into some serious action here. We even got derby preps on the card and a slew of stakes. Now, let me give you the setup as far as our guests are concerned. First out of the gate will be Kevin Kilroy. Uh, If you watch uh, the fairgrounds feed on a regular basis, you'll see him uh, working there with my good buddy Joey Decay uh, down at the Crescent City Oval. Uh, Kevin Kilroy right now, he's called the publicity specialist at the fairgrounds. I think that's a position I used to hold many, many years ago. And uh, so he does the racing analysis, the news, the writing. But so how did he get here? Well, Joe keeps his eye out for these sharp guys. And this guy's a two-time national horse player championship qualifier finishing 21st just last year uh, uh kevin's specialties uh, kind of trip handicapping creative analysis he kind of finds reasons why a horse is going to jump up and 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 improve and that's what we're all looking for is that edge and well there's so many uh stakes at the fairgrounds we'll get to as many as we can uh try to squeeze in the silver bullet day but for sure we're going to get to the two graded races down there um the uh the the first is going to be a ding dong battle for the ages in that we are going to see Mandaloon and Midnight Bourbon matching strides in the Louisiana. I guess this is going to be a prep for a big race over in Dubai down the road, as I've just found out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Mandaloon and Midnight Bourbon, I mean, they really look like each other. Uh, both of them just turned four well-bred Colts in great hands. Uh, we're talking about Brad Cox as Mandaloon, uh, earner of $1.6 million. Steve Asmussen has Midnight Bourbon, winner of $1.1 million. Interesting thing about Asmussen, we'll ask Kevin about this. Uh, this horse has never raced in blinkers, has won over a million dollars, and he's going to race with blinkers on. Now, both Mandaloon and Midnight Bourbon will be getting first Lasix in the Louisiana. Anyhow, I don't go on and go on and on about just two of the great races there, but the other graded race is a 10-4-2-1 Kentucky Derby points race, and uh, that is the LeCompte. And uh, Papa Cap looks like the, the likely favorite. He's got a good body of work. He's already won over half a million dollars in only five races, was second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile to Corniche, and couldn't get by Corniche in the American Pharaoh Corniche, the top prospect for two-year-old champion. All right. Anyhow, 
Kevin Kilroy, looking forward to learning about uh, his entrance in, into the racing game and uh, seeing who uh, who he likes and what he can tell us about angles at the fairgrounds. And then my man, Steady Eddie, Ed Meyer. Uh, they got a schedule change down there in the northern Kentucky track, and so uh, he's able to join us this evening. As you know, Ed used to be the co-host here and uh, for, is uh, you know a odds maker, a race caller, a race official I'm trying to think of what else Ed does I think in between races it goes down and sells hot dogs I'm not sure but Ed's done just about everything uh, in the world of racing and he's that one damn good handicapper goes to the contest himself and I know he had a pretty good week so we're going to bring in our man Ed Meyer all right uh, before we get to Kevin want to hit some of the top news looks like if you're looking for Jose Ortiz Look down to Gulfstream Park. He's leaving the chilly north, and he's going to be at Gulfstream Park for the rest of the meet, according to his agent, Jim Riccio, Jr. So uh, we, we know where to look for Jose. He'll be partnering up with his brother down there. Uh, as, I, as I stated, the... Uh, Let's see. I know we got other jockey news. Yeah, how about this? Manny Franco and Angel Cadero ended their working relationship. Very interesting. Uh, the uh, it, That's been a long, long relationship. I mean, uh, Cadero, himself a Hall of Fame jockey. Of course, he was the longtime agent for Johnny V before they split just a little over year and a half ago uh, but he does still represent a young and up-and-coming rider by the name of jose gomez who uh, has only won five career races but if he's in cadero's care keep an eye out also our jockey of the week juan hernandez uh, gets that nod on saturday he had the mount on brickyard ride and the uh California Cup sprint for four-year-olds. Got the job done there on Cal Cup Day. And on Monday, that's right, MLK Day, and uh, Betty White uh, donate to uh, animal rights uh, day two. Uh, he won the Astra Stakes. It was a grade three there at Santa Anita. So congratulations to Juan Hernandez. All right. Well, we're taking a, a what do we got? One more? No, that's it. And the good news front, ladies and gentlemen, I want to squeeze one more story in here. How about this? California equine fertilities. Fatalities, sorry, have dropped 26% in the last year. 2021, they've dropped 21%. I'm sure it's a combination of, uh, you know, the extra veterinarian care uh, and certainly track surfaces. Uh, I, I think everybody, uh, you know, is taking it a little bit easy. Of course, couldn't stop what happened with Dina Spirit, uh, you know, what a Apparently was a heart-related incident. Uh, that's going to happen. It, it happens out in a paddock in a pasture somewhere today, sad to say. Uh, it's just part of uh, being a, an equine animal. But, man, that is great news that out in California, fatalities dropping 26%. All right. I squeezed as much as I could into that first segment. Breaking a little bit early. When we come back, we want to talk to Kevin Kilroy from the fairgrounds. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com john and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share any questions we would be happy to answer contact us now back to the show winning ponies with john inglehart all right coming up a first time starter here on winning ponies as you know joe christopher and i go way back and normally when i watch the fairgrounds and i listen to joe uh, you know i take some of his advice and some I don't. But when Joe tells me somebody's a quality individual and they'd be great for the show, I'm all in. And joining us right now at three to five on the guest schedule is Kevin Kilroy. How are you? Oh, John, I'm doing great. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. And, uh, I tell you what, you, you should be taking Joe K's uh, advice on picks recently. He's been hot with, with some, with some odds too. You know, I didn't get a chance. Sometimes life gets in the way of me watching racing. Don't ask me why. It shouldn't. But I, yeah. I did get to watch one race, and things looked a little dicey down there today. Uh, just before we get into our interview, because I want to learn about you, um, what's the uh, the weather report down there? Because it's been strange all over the country. Uh, are you going to get the turf races in, do you think, on Saturday? Yeah, I think we'll be good for the turf on Saturday. But, yeah, we were off the turf today. And uh, we had a bunch of rain come down uh, in the early morning hours today, and it, it's cold, you know. And when when it when it gets cold in New Orleans, people uh, people react. So um, it looks like we're going to drop tomorrow, get into the 30s, and have some more rain. Uh, so we'll see how it goes tomorrow. But uh, yeah, we should be good for Saturday. Well, listen, Kevin. Um you know, uh, Joey DeKay is a smart guy because he surrounds himself with smart people. And from what I've read in your resume, uh, he drafted a pretty good pick in here when he, when he uh, partnered up with Kevin Kilroy. I mean, two-time National Horse Players Championship qualifier, uh, f- finishing the top 21 last year. Um, you know, so uh, let's let's rewind the time machine and bring us back to when Kevin Kilroy was just in Knickers. What brought you into the world of racing, my friend? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, uh, yeah, I didn't get into to horse racing until I was I don't know maybe like twenty five or twenty six, 
And it, it all goes back to, uh, you know, at the time I was living in Chicago and working at a, uh, a pizza place called My Pie Pizza. And my manager there, a guy named uh, uh, James Godby, he's from Louisville. And he's like, hey, you want to go to the tracks? And I'm like, eh, sure. You know, I've never been before. Let's check it out. And uh, we grabbed our friend uh, Dave, who was the delivery driver, and we went out there. And, you know, long story short, we, uh, he got us hooked. He taught us how to handicap and got us into it. And uh, it's just been a slow-burning obsession since then. Um, you know, living in Chicago, going to Arlington Park and Hawthorne and uh, just doing a lot of handicapping, you know, becoming a, more and more of a degenerate as the, as the, uh, the years hey. went by. Yeah, in a good way, right? The positive. We wear that mantle proudly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, when you find yourself uh, starting a job at Fairgrounds and then uh, just about every race on the card through the first few weeks, you're like, oh god, I, I'm a little bit of a de- degenerate here. But <laughs> um, yeah, so that got me way into it, and then. I'll tell you what, Horse Players, the show, got me so into the tournaments. Yeah. And, um, you know, just like about everybody who's touched this game, you know, got deep into it from the, uh, from the gambling side, just having those dreams of being able to, to, to make a living or at least, you know, supplement, you know, the living uh, through betting horses has always been there. And the tournament seemed like a good angle for that. And, you know, um, yeah, just, just got way into it. But then I was in Kansas City for – the past six years where I was born and raised and, uh, you know, there's no horse tracks around there and really not too many, um, horse racing fans. So I got to give a lot of credit to in the money media to, to Pete, you know, Pete, Peter Thomas Fornetail and Jonathan Kenshin, their show just kept my, uh, kept my passion alive and just taught me a ton and just took me to the next level. And, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, the rest is kind of history or at least, uh, it's just beginning. Like you're saying, first time starter. A huge day down at the fairgrounds. We can only handicap a couple, but uh, there's races in there named after people I know. And, uh, you, you know, uh, it, it, let's start, if it's okay with you, Kevin, uh, with your two graded races. And as time allows, we'll see if we can work our way back to the Silver Bullet Day. Or if there's a favorite race you kind of found when handicapping the Saturday card, uh, l- let our listeners know. But we'll start with the, the, the first on the card, which... Uh, Throw away your daily racing form or whatever the heck you like to use, your easy win of forms from Winning Ponies. Uh, this is going to be the best match race we've seen so far this year. Mandaloon and Midnight Bourbon. I never really realized that the Louisiana was a prep for Dubai. <laughs> I know. On the way to $20 million, you got to go through uh, the great three of Louisiana, right? I mean, <laughs> and talking to, you know, talking to, to Steve Asmussen and to Brad Cox, you know, both those horses are, are hoping to, you know, run well on Saturday and then ship over and, and, and run, you know, in the, in the Saudi cup. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, I feel like it's, it's a match race there. I really feel like those two are, are, are going to, um, going to show us something special and, for me, it's Midnight Bourbon. I think those blinkers on are just going to, uh, you know, just sharpen him up in terms of uh, being able to send and just go. I like the fact that he has a more recent race under his belt in Mandaloon. It's a long layoff. You know, he, he hasn't run since the Haskell. Um, so I feel like uh, Mandaloon's just going to have to figure it out a little bit more. But I do expect a one-two finish there for sure. 
Well, it really is interesting. I mean, this will be one I'm going to sit back and watch because if we talk long enough, I can make a stand for either of these horses. Because yeah, totally. uh, if, if you go back and you look, they both uh, have uh, performed in, in front of the Louisiana crowd quite a bit uh, during their young careers. And they've tr- swapped wins and positions in, in major races. I, I guess the, the interesting setup, if there is one, this is going to be very short field and i i did uh read uh, this afternoon where uh chess chief who was going to draw the one right. hole uh looks like he, he's going to go on and uh go for the big bucks uh at, at Gulfstream. um but uh if if somebody can give midnight bourbon a little something to run at and or, or to run with and the only one i really see is pirates punch the, the rest of them uh, have shown the ability to kind of relax and settle a little bit and go after the leaders maybe spa city will be up there but um midnight bourbon could get on the lead with those blinkers from Flagfall to that's all but on the other hand mandaloon has never really been that far away from the lead and uh, it just seems to be able to know where the, the, the finish line is. And like you said, yeah. has not been out since July. But uh, this guy, Brad Cox, knows how to get a horse ready. So it's yeah, going to be oh, a God. great, great race to watch. That's the Louisiana. It's going to be race 13. Uh, what a card you got. And that's, let, let's get to the, the the 14th is another graded stakes race. This is the LeCompte, and as I told everyone at the top of the show, it's a 10-4-2-1 points to the Derby race. And uh, as I stated in my tease for this, that uh, it, resume-wise, let's face it, uh, Papa Cap, uh, you know, it, it is on firm ground with, with over a half a million dollar one, a second mm-hmm. in the Prince Cup Juvenile. Uh, but the question is, we're all coming back from a little bit of a rest for the most part, and you've got so many horses in good hands, and the the, the, the two that really popped at the top for me are Epicenter and Cyberknife. Epicenter trained by Asmussen, Cyberknife by Brad Cox. Put the tape in and repeat. Um they look like horses that could take a huge leap forward. And I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Papa Cap, especially, again, first time coming back. Mark Cassie's probably looking down the road for bigger and better things. I don't know. Papa Cap, one of these amazingly talented sons, a gun runner. I'll shut up. Kevin Kilroy, give me your read of the LeCompte. Yeah, no, no, no. You're reading it pretty well. I mean, for me, it's Papa Cap and Epicenter in there. I think those two really stand out. And I think we might have a real similar situation with Midnight Bourbon and Mandaloon, where we see these two horses work through the the Derby preps here, you know, the LeCompte, the Risen Star, and Louisiana Derby, and and go on to, uh, you know, to bigger and better things uh, throughout the three-year-old season. But, uh, you know, talking to Mark Cassie, he's, he's, he's high on Papa Cap. He feels like the track set, sets up really nice for Papa Cap in terms of how he's been training and how he wants to run. He thinks Papa Cap's, Papa Cap's going to run really well with the target, which is, which is interesting to hear after, you know, that Breeders' Cup race. He really went well early and, uh, you know, almost got the lead there if it wasn't for Corniche. So it was interesting to think that maybe we have a lot of horses send. Epicenter's got a lot of speed. Um, Surfer Dude does, and Ray Lou Gutierrez is up, and he's aggressive and knows how to get a horse in there. Uh, but I feel like Papa Cap's just going to sit back in the pocket and just going to, uh, you know, get that first run and, and take them all down. But that being said, Epicenter looked amazing going two turns for the first time. Amazing. Really just, uh, you know, just pulled away and, and, and won for fun last time. So 
I wouldn't be surprised if Epicenter was able to make that next step up and uh, and showed everybody who's boss. I, I had to scratch my my head a, a, a little bit on Cyberknife in that it's a horse who, who's performed fantastically in his only career outings uh, uh, has finished first twice, was DQ'd in his uh, maiden, mm-hmm. first maiden win. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I find it interesting that after a win, um, Brad Cox is putting blinkers on. I always heard that you couldn't make an equipment change if your horse just won a race. Yeah, well, that you know, he, when he talks about Cyberknife, he, he's really excited about, you know, the three-year-old uh, career for this horse and thinks that he's going to do big stuff. Um, but just still a green horse, still a horse that's still trying to figure stuff out. Um, you know, he says he was excited that, uh, that, uh, that he, you know, got DQ'd from that first one so he could get another one under his belt before, you know, facing tougher and before extending out to two. And uh, I think this horse just uh, mentally just isn't quite – there yet but uh you know brad will get uh will get cyberknife ready to roll uh, you know as we approach the derby for sure well as exciting as gunrunner was with his juveniles last year i'm really looking forward uh to these horses who i i believe if they're like their daddy are only going to get bigger better and be happy to go longer uh as they turn into three and four year olds yeah, me too. Me too. These gun runners are going to be so exciting to see what they're, what they're doing. You know, they're going to be doing more two-turn races as they're entering their three-year-old career, and we're going to see those uh, those, those stats, you know, really bump up and, uh, yeah, see them mature and see them develop. It's going to be exciting. Well, uh, just as LeCompte uh, serves as the, the first step of uh, the fairground springboard to the Kentucky Derby races and the Louisiana Derby, uh, the Silver Bullet Day kind of does the same thing for the three-year-old fillies down there uh, in the Crescent City. And uh, while it's not graded, hey, I'll take $150,000 uh, to, to win any time you, you put it out there. And uh, it looks like you've got uh, uh, half a dozen that are willing to go to post in there. Uh, who, do we, who do we look at here? The uh, extremely well-bred La Crete, whose damn Cafording was quite the runner when she was at the track. Yeah, you know, I think I've been just been giving you the favorites, just the no-brainers here so far. But I think this is the race that we can uh, we can find an angle. I feel like um, you know between Sweetest Pie coming out from Todd Fletcher, um, you know, when when Joe K talks about uh, Fletcher's barn over at Gulfstream, he thinks that it's just overflowing with talent, and uh, he's just looking for spots for for all these great horses. And you know, it's a really well-bred horse and uh, an exciting horse, and owned by you know a great family, the Magner family, the uh, you know, Irish uh, uh, ownership group over there, but I tell you what, looking at uh, looking at Treasury in the Dam and looking at uh, what's the sister's name it is I've got it here. Just one second. I feel like this horse is just going to be slower to develop than people are thinking. Yeah, the sister is admiring and was really didn't win uh, the maiden special weight uh, last year in her three year old year until the end of the year. And guess what? Won it on turf and was trying turf the whole time. So my thought here, if you can get into the head of a trainer, is that we've got the turf here, and Todd's thinking, I'll send Sweetest Pie over. If it doesn't go well in this one, then maybe he'll try her on turf next. Um, that's my guess. But I think Sweetest Pie is just not going to be quite there yet, going to be slow to develop. And, and Lockret too. You know, um, talking to Steve, he says that she is a little bit behind uh, her, her half-sister, Clarier, you know, who won the Rachel Alexandra um, here last year. 
and just one race under her belt, did it from out front, really never had a horse and sniffing distance of her. So I think she's going to have to learn a little something unless she can just romp from, from, from out front throughout the whole way. So, you know, let's look for Burner Breezy. Talking to Matt Shearer, this horse is just training as good as, um, as anybody that he's ever worked with. And he, he used to work for uh, Ken McPeak, so he's seen a lot of good three-year-olds. And uh, she looked awesome last time. She made the field look uh, look like a, a bunch of claiming horses. But when you look at them, they're all high pedigree, you know, you know, well-purchased, well-intended horses. So Berna Breezy, I think, is going to come from behind and, and just knock them all off one by one and, and win down the middle. You know, I, I, I've been looking at this all year, and you probably have too. I, I, I just wonder, what about the LASIK in, influence? Berna Breezy didn't break its maiden first time out, comes back, as you just described, looked like a super horse, of course, bred to be one, uh, it, it, with LASIKs. Now, yeah. heading, to, heading towards the bigger races, no Lasix. Um, I, I, I've been trying to find some kind of trend, Kevin, and I haven't been able to nail one down with some horses. It definitely seems to make a differences. And with other ones, I can use it or not. doesn't matter. I'm still a good horse. I'm going to win. What's your read after watching it now for about a year and a half? Yeah, you know, that's, it's, it's so interesting. It makes it so hard on, on handicappers. You know, it's just that one more variable, that uncertainty that leaves you, uh, leaves you wondering and leaves you guessing. But I think about uh, um, Fanny and Freddie, another horse that, you know, put the Lasix, you know, added Lasix um, two starts back. But it was also yeah. the first time she went two turns. And, w- you know, when, we took the, when they took the Lasix off for the, uh, for the untappable, um, my big question was exactly that. And then you quickly found out that, no, it was just the two turns that is what she wanted, and that's why she was able to improve so mightily in between her second and third race. And I think Berna Breezy is the same, just after doing that, uh, that one-turn mile at Churchill Downs, was able to do two, was able to run more to her closing style and show her, her late pace um, you know, strength. And I, I feel like uh, Berna Breezy is going to be okay. All right. Well, Kevin Kilroy, I know you've got an un here and such demand on such a big race day. Now, with this many races, uh, are you guys changing your your first post on Saturday? Yeah. So it's twelve oh five on Saturday, and it's fourteen races. So we'll we'll work late into the evening, um, into the dark hours, and you know we end with a uh, a late pick five, all stakes, guaranteed two hundred fifty thousand dollar pool. So uh, definitely something you want to you want to gravitate towards and, and see if you've got. Uh, some value there. It does seem like there's a lot of horses that uh, are logical and, you know, should be uh, favorites. But if you've got a couple that you think you've got angles with, I think that's going to be a good pool to jump into. Well, Kevin Kilroy, is this your uh, first year uh, taking up part-time residence in New Orleans? Yeah, I just moved down here, um, you know, just that week before Thanksgiving. And, you know, I'll tell you what, John, this has been my favorite city for, for a while. And I've been, been looking for an opportunity to be down here. So, it's uh, it's it's pretty fantastic, but you know we'll see where the summer takes me because I gotta I gotta find another spot after this. You know how these horse racing gigs go. Yeah, I do. I I do. Well, enjoy New Orleans while you're down there. I was down there for a year and uh, I thoroughly loved it. But I I love my liver more, and I said I better get the hell out of here. <laughs> I mean, it, it starts with lunch on Monday, you know, with the red beans and rice, and who knows where you go after that. Well, I I, I hope you enjoy it. It's a marvelous city, America's most European city. You're doing great on air down there. And tell Joey Decay. 
way that the regular guy said hi. I will, I will. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed being on your show. All right, Kevin Kilroy from the fairgrounds. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to take a drive from New Orleans up to Kentucky, and we're going to bring on these airwaves a man you know I admire. That's right, Ed Meyer. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for Winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john Inglehart, racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. Uh, with me now, our most requested guest, none other than Ed Meyer, the former host of the show. And as the former host of the show, he knows how important it is to point out our successes with easy win forms. Sometimes you get so busy doing the show, you forget to give out some really valuable information. All right. Oaklawn Park, Gulfstream Park, Delta Downs, all using the easy win forms within the last week would have given you uh, mostly pick five and pick four returns of 
over $2,000. So, folks, don't take my word for it. Come on over to the Winning Ponies website. Check out the Easy Win Forms. Uh, it's uh, easy to see what our success rate is. It's right there. We don't gloss it over. We don't win them all. But the ones we do pays for the ones that don't. And with no further ado, as I told you before the break, we join now a man I greatly admire, the one and only Admire. What's happening, John? How are you tonight? I'm okay. I'm okay. Just went on a little visit down to the Crescent City with Kevin Kilroy, reliving my youth from 30 years ago when I was the PR guy down there. He sounded great. Uh, sounded like a guy that's going to be good for racing, and the names you were tossing around are, are guys that uh, are really impacting our our information that goes out there, people like to refer to them as talking heads or people that interview. But these guys are actually important. They're bringing the action to you. You could be 3,000 miles away and be right there and no more than if you're right there looking over the rail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, Eddie reminds me of you and me when we were young and hungry. It sounds like he's really out there gathering information from the trainers, you know, feet to the ground. Ah, to have that young energy to do it again. Uh, I hope when I come back in the next life, I'm the same guy and I get to do it again, Ed. Oh, I mean, don't change a thing, John. It's uh, It seemed to have worked for actually both of us. We're still doing this and we absolutely love it. And, and the joke is we'd have paid them to do it because we actually loved it. And, and going to the track was never a problem. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Well, you know, uh, towards the end, when we were handicapping the Lecompton there, uh, I spotted a couple of horses that uh, definitely jumped up and improved when given Lasix. And uh, uh, on Saturday, they won't be treated with it. One of them already regressed slightly uh, running in a stakes race that didn't have Lasix. Ed, over the last year and a half, I know you've been watching it and factoring into your handicapping. Uh, what side of the fence do you sit on with Lasix? Do you make it a part of your handicapping even? Wow. Uh, I'll tell you what. That might be the $10 question. And I think it's very important. And... I talked to so many veterinarians of you have over the, the many years we both have been in the racing game, and more than not, and I'm going to say heavily, about three-quarters don't disagree with using Lasix. Now, I know there's going to be a group out there that, that feel differently, and, and kudos. I mean, there's some operations that do tremendous. The European racing, the Irish racing, you know, that when, they, when they race across sea, John, I mean, there's no Lasix. I mean, you can, you can treat up during a training period, kind of like double wrapping your knees in practice. But in fact, when it's, you know, you have to have 48 hours off before you can run. To me, I think it's, it's a plus. I don't know how much of an uh, enhancement it's actually going to be, but it is a plus. It's for horse, it's ease, ease on the horse, it's ease on the operation, they can train differently. I think Lasix is a good tool, but it can, as with any drug, can actually be maybe scrutinize just a wee bit of how much are we using and where we're using. I guess as well as you look back after the race and go, damn, I should have seen that circle L there. It's a horse's first time on Lasix. <laughs> uh, I found it interesting that, uh, that both um, Mandaloon and uh, Midnight Bourbon in the Louisiana are first time Lasix. 
That's kind of interesting. So obviously, the, the, these are you know Hall of Fame type trainers. Obviously, Asmussen's there. Cox will be, um, and they're saying, "Hey, if you're going to let my horse be treated with it, I think I'll take the safe side and make sure he doesn't bleed." But anyhow, I digress. I wanted to get your read on that from a from a handicapper's perspective. Well. Uh, Ed, while I have you, I don't think it's any secret that uh, you uh, are a, a, a racing uh, official at Turfway Park. And also, uh, I, I don't know if it was the first track you went to. Was Turfway or River Downs the first? Wait, wait. Was Latonia or River Downs the first track little Eddie went to? Uh, the the river by far. Uh, I had a, a great uncle who had a couple of cheap claimers, and we would have sworn it was Secretariat, but it was a lot of fun for the family to gather. And still underneath that tree, John, that is in my mind's eye, when I look down, even at Belterra Park, I can still remember roughly where it would have been located. It was always River Downs. It was, uh, whereas Miami is a cradle of coaches, I think River Downs is a cradle of real horse players. I mean, so many people miss that, that little that little pearl, that gem of, of a racetrack. It was just so picturesque and perfect. For me, it was all river. But then I did enjoy my time at Latonia as well, and now Turfway Park. I just wonder. But anyhow, because the reason I answered that is you've been there through all the changes with the surfaces, uh, and also you've seen, you know, because of the new uh, – regime uh we're bringing you're bringing a lot of top horsemen in there on a regular basis that are stable there almost year round um the leonidas i believe is uh named after a kentucky derby winner from the 1800s if memory serves me well i was real young then but uh anyhow <laughs> yes you were a hundred thousand dollar race going a mile Ed, is this the first stepping stone towards the Jeff Ruby stakes? I think right about now we start waking up. And I, I would say yes. You know, it's kind of that toe in the water. Here we go. Let's let's start it. Let's ring the bell and let's let the boxers come on out and touch gloves and get it on. John, I looked at this race at Leonidas, which won in the Derby of 1883. So you were probably in middle school then, but so you really weren't just a wee no, lad. No, I was in but, diapers. Uh, Cut it out. <laughs> but, but I looked over this race, and I really, really like one horse. And, and I'll tell you what, for me, for a three-year-old colt, you know, to break from the 12-hole, and you're asking a lot. But, in fact, the Friar Lawrence, who's three to one, that's who I yeah. like. Luan Machado aboard. Machado's not off to the, the booming start that I thought he would be. He's only winning 2%. He's one for 42. He, but he's running for Ben Colebrook. And Colebrook is four for four in the money and one for one at Turfway. Yeah. Come in from Mahoning, two back, and wins by 12 links, just drawing away. And as it says in the common line, as rider pleased, and then went right into the synthetic, fired uh, just a nasty, nasty fastball, and wins by a length and three quarters with Lua Machado again. You can't knock him. Actually, he broke from the seven hole out of 11 last time out, so the outside's not going to be that big of a deal. But the part that sold me, there's a bevy of speed in here. And when I see speed, there's a lot of six furlong horses trying two turns, and they're, they're trying to jump into the water and see what they got now. But with Friar Lawrence, he necessarily doesn't have to be on the front end. He has a good enough time form 
early pace number that puts him right about mid-pack, fifth or sixth, where they've been scoring from at Turfway Park, and then has a nice late kick and can accelerate from about the quarter pole in. So for me, it's Fry Lawrence at 3-1 to one in the Leonidas. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun race to watch. I kind of scratched my head in here. Uh, like what you said, this could be serve as a precursor uh, to the Jeff Ruby stakes. But uh, in in the case of one horse, it could serve as a precursor to the bassinet as how the bassinet, the bourbonette, <laughs> the bourbonette uh, as Helen Pitts is bringing up a three-year-old filly. I wish to take on the boys uh, first time against males, but she has never been defeated. It's really hard to really hard to knock her. I think uh, it, for me, it jumped out as, "Hey, she's okay," and it's early in the year, so why not take a shot? You're two for two. You show good speed. Uh, Edgar Morales is doing pretty well at eleven percent winning, and Helen Fitzblasi, uh is about twenty eight percent on the year. So you've got good connections coming together. Why not give her a try? But the only thing that stood out to me is I think there's going to be, as they head into the first turn, I think you're going to see four or five vying for the lead, not knocking heads. It'll shuffle out and everybody will take order. But I think there's going to be uh, kind of a dash to the first turn. All right. Uh, well, uh, again, you, you alluded there, horses coming from uh, mid-pack. Uh, you've been there literally watching every race that's happened at Turfway Park. What do we look for if we do as far as biases are concerned uh, right now at uh, Turfway because you're dealing with a new surface down there? With a tapita, it's always going to be fast. That you can, you can actually count on. When you see it on screen, it almost looks like an oatmeal hue and has a coloration of like a light oatmeal. And they kind of skip over it. They don't dig down when you're watching them in the, on the dirt, and they're digging in, and they're really thundering. They just kind of skip over this, and just it looks like they're gliding in so many ways. A lot of times, you'll see horses fan out 10 and 12 wide because it's as flat as a highway. And it's just like European racing. It's no big... It's no big ground loss as you're, as you're moving at the big crown of the track. But, John, I think you want to be about fourth or fifth. You know, sixth if they're moving at a pretty quick pace. But you want to be mid-pack and you want to be just right off. I saw the, the speed rider E.T. Baird come from 30 out of it, circle the field and lay second, and then faded down the lane the other day. You get horses that come from off the pace. And it does happen, but for the most part, I'm going to say at least 60%. They're, they're going to be laying right in mid-pack, keeping an eye on the leaders, and they're going to be within striking distance. All right. We're, we're talking about the, the Leonidas at, at, at Turfway Park. Uh, another interesting horse, and I think the rail's going to help, is Grantham. Now, Three Diamonds Farm is the outfit who team up with Mike Maker to make those high-end claims and turn those $60,000, $50,000 claimers into graded stakes horses. This one they purchased for over a quarter million dollars, but Grantham hasn't disappointed in his only two outings, was odds-on to win last time and didn't disappoint a rider that people are going to be hearing about, I do believe, down the road. Gerardo Corrales gets the call again. Wow. 
Is he talented? And he's working with Mike Maker, who I actually I spoke with him very early this morning. You know, he was, I believe, in Florida making his entries. And uh, he handles it all himself. I like a guy that, uh, a trainer that actually sees things from yo to go, and we know so many of them. They just don't delegate and lose track. Mike Maker's a sharp horseman. And you're getting the rail. I'm not a big fan of the rail because if you take a look at that schematic of that run into the first turn, if you don't snag the lead, you could find yourself in the box pretty quick. But last time out was very impressive. Stumbled at the start and just got clear. Corrales is going to be one of the up-and-coming riders we'll see in about the next three years. It was just two years ago. He was in Ohio, and, and he was making his way. There's so many riders that start off in places like Ohio and Prairie Meadows and out west. But, in fact, they're either coming up the ladder or back down as they're getting a little older and they want to stay closer to the grandkids, and they're still riding competitively. But this is not the case. This kid is just starting. He's 28% at Turfway. He's got the rail. Not a big fan because there's a short run into the stretch, or the first turn, excuse me. But I, I like the way this kid sits on a horse. And here's a little tidbit. When you look out there and you see a rider with no mask on, and tomorrow we're going to be in the low teens and no gloves on, it's Gerardo Corrales. This guy is, quote, as tough as a nickel steak. <laughs> Never heard you say that before. I'll tell you what, for that reason, <laughs> I love the guy even more. Well, Ed, let's see if we can't pack a couple more races in. Um, I will tell you that if you're handicapping Oaklawn for tomorrow, you can stop. They're going to cancel the Friday card at Oaklawn but it, because it's only going to be in the 20s and the track's uh, freezing up. They've missed some training. Um, but it looks like they it, it's going to move up to the 40s on Saturday. So we should get the American Beauty in, which is a $150,000 race for fillies and mares. And I'll tell you what, I was banging my head on the racing form trying to come up with a standout in here. Woo, they're evenly matched. Oh, it is It is a wide-open affair, especially this time of year. And you're coming off a cancellation tomorrow, which leads me to believe there's some form of moisture and or freezing and or freeze-thaw. I'm going to say that there's, after it's like you said, it's going to be in the high 40s and low 50s when I looked at the weather it's going to lead me to think that there's a little bit of moisture in the track. It doesn't have to be sloppy, sealed, or muddy, but there's going to be some plenty of give to it. You can really dig down and get down to business here. It led me to the five abrogate. And abrogate, it, once again, we were talking about that Lasix angle here, putting the Lasix back on. It looked like he gave abrogate, a four-year-old filly, a little more pep in her step. She's three for three on an off track, and I'm not going to say it's going to be off and ugly and, and really just a, just a tough mud mark to play with, but I think there's going to be plenty of, uh, there's going to be plenty of moisture, which bodes well for stalkers and closers. She's four for four in the money, and this is third start off of a layoff, and trainer Steve Asmussen wins uh, 16% of the time. He's got his, his go-to man, Ricardo Santana, who's on fire at 21%, and they're winning at the same margin together as a team. I think she's going to get really a good trip here. Go back two races ago where it just says sloppy. Just get the idea of any wet tracks down her path, and I'm telling you what, she runs her race. So, in fact, if there is plenty of moisture and I'm seeing with that fall, there possibly could be. I'm going to go with Abrogate at 7-2. to two. 
All right. Well, I'm a little tootsie man uh, down on the inside. You know, Tom Amos is a pretty sharp trainer. And, you know, you always try to say, well, let's see if the Philly can do this. Let's see if she can do that. So he tried going around a ground twice and not outside of an optional claimer. Well, when he tried against real horses, the Indiana Oaks, uh, she got thumped. Then he says, well, let's, all right, maybe distance isn't it. Let's shorten it up. We'll go five and a half on the turf. Well, I guess Tom found out maybe that's not where she wants either. So he runs her in the grade two Prioress and runs a really good third and then says, hey, let's let's give a little Tootsie a rest, see if she goes into her own, see if she, you know, so she's not sour from training. And comes back and goes boom, boom in the fall. Churchill Downs and Oak Lawn Park. Two solid races with, with solid speed numbers. I, I just think that the light went on or Tom Amos found the key to little Tootsie. I think you're right. Uh, if you take a look at that last race, if he is in my, the friend's uh, friend of mine named John Englehart said, if you're going to bet him, you got to box him. Take a look at the top two finishers there. Little Tootsie, who was 80 cents to a dollar, and Abergate, who wasn't too far back in the betting pool. So they were both hammered pretty soundly there. I'm thinking this might just be Abergate's racetrack. I think Little Tootsie really looks good on the rail. Giovanni Franco bore for Tom Amos, and boy, you couldn't have said it any better. I mean, what a heady horseman there. He's one for one at Oklahoma, this filly, and uh, by Tapature, and you're looking for three in a row. It looks like they, she just kind of figured out what racing was about. And now you're looking at three in a row. You saw a nice third, you know, three back. And you say, okay, we got a little promise. They put the Lasix back on. And it was like, oh, my goodness. It's like, like you said, they turn on the lights. And uh, I, I think this is really a cool time of year to see the, uh, see the runners, you know, start, starting to work into their spring form and what they're going to be doing for the spring and early summer and beyond. But uh, I, I love your runner. But actually, for me, the price, Abrogate, I think it's going to be her racetrack. All right, you're going to bet him. We got a box, and we will. Now let's go to New York. Hopefully things are going to warm up a little bit there. We'll get the races in at Aqueduct. Uh, we do have $200,000 races. Ed, I'm down to uh, six minutes to post, so keep an eye on your clock because um, I'm throwing two of them at you. Uh, the, the first is the Jazeel, a mile and an eighth, and there's a horse in here that I think you, you've been you've actually called at the races uh, at Belterra Park, the Ohio bred for one. I'm not picking him, but, you know, you got to like this Uriah St. Louis. He's one of those guys that says, look, you don't hit a home run unless you get up a bat. And he swings for the fences and brings home for Warren in the Queens County at 42 to 1. You got to love it. If you had a bet, you got to bet a deuce on it just to have a little fun. I'm rooting in my heart. But my dollars are going to be on 12-volt man, Edwin Gonzalez, coming in from Gulfstream Park, riding for Safi Joseph. I like Safi Joseph. I think he's a really fine trainer, 23% on the year, John. But when you're taking a look at the last couple of races here, looks to be a runner that can lay off the pace, but his run on synthetic, his run on sloppy seal, his laid off, I think it's going to really kind of shake out to be that fifth or sixth place horse, you know, around the turn, and Edwin Gonzalez is going to push the button. He's not up there for nothing. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's, there's plenty of more places that he'd rather be in sunny Florida. But for me, 12-old man gets my two bucks. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Sappy Joseph, he he does great down at Gulfstream Park. It is kind of strange that he's making the effort to come all the way up here. It'd be one thing if it was a New York bread race and he was shipping up because he had a New York bread in the barn. But this horse is a Kentucky bread. Very interesting, Ed. I like that. I like that. Well, you you got the potential upside to, to core conviction that had to break their hearts heart the day they had to geld this son of American Pharaoh, uh, you know, but the horse, you know, he reeled off his last two wins of the year last year, might be one to watch, but uh, right now we'll take our closest look at 12 Vote Man, and my producer's telling me we got three minutes to go, Steady Eddie, so let's go to post, speaking of New York breads, (laughs) speaking to a New York bread, to the uh, Franklin Square, uh, you're an odds maker, and the odds maker in New York had a hard time separating this bunch. Oh, this is another. This is another race where you're, you could go through with a comb, and you know, just try to try to make any any differentiate between the two. For me, I ended up with thinking it over. Dylan Davis. I have to say that I'm probably not waving the Dylan Davis flag enough. He's winning 17% of the time. Last time I laid off the pace was five wide on the turn, got at the quarter bowl, and Davis got down on his belly and rode for a very talented trainer by the name of Raymond Handel. You'll see him at Turfway. You'll see him everywhere. You'll see him in Florida. You'll see him at New York, and he's doing well up there, winning 23% of the time. I think it's a perfect style. They're going to go from six to six and a half. I see thinking it over being just a skosh closer, maybe about a length and a half off, and just hitting the pounce button when they hit the quarter pole. Well, like I said, it is wide open. A horse kind of caught my eye a little bit was this Lee Lou at seven to two. Kendrick Karamuch in the saddle, uh, kind of you know has been staying with the New York breads since the weather's going to be a little bit off up there. I'm guessing. Uh, certainly, that the track's soaked right now. Um, last start, sloppy track at Aqueduct draws the ten hole in a ten horse field. And runs away by seven in the slop. I would keep Lelou in your action with thinking it over there, Steady Eddie. Agreed. I, I can agree. And when you talked about uh, possibly an off track, thinking it over, broke broke her maiden over a sealed muddy track very impressively. So, as the name says, think it over. <laughs> Well, Ed, uh, you've got a change in schedule now. We, we were able to fit you in on, on a Thursday night. The schedule of the rest of the year at Turfway, uh, it, it switches a little bit, doesn't it? Yes, sir, it does. Uh, on, in February, we're going to be going Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We're going to move Sunday. We're just going to kick it back a day, but it's going to be all nighttime racing. So you can follow your favorite daytime signals and catch Turfway Park at night with a first post time, you know, that's I'm going to call it, a, it's not late, but it's a, it's in the six-ish range. Sometimes we go a few minutes over, sometimes a few minutes over under when it's, uh, when it's really chilly out there for horse and rider. But, John, yeah, we go Thursday through Saturdays, and we're going to be going 6.15 p.m. I think it's, uh, it's time to, you know, time to kind of start thinking about spring. I'm get, kind of getting juked up here, and I'm really getting into it. But uh, before I go, I have to warn you about a horse for you to watch on Keep going, at, uh, Keep Turfway going. Park. Keep it going. It is go in the third race at Turfway Park. The horse's name is Drink, and they're two of your really good friends, Essex Long and Jeff Greenhill are teaming up. 
All right. Well, there you heard it from the horse player's mouth. My producer, Andrew's telling me it's time to get out of here. We went to Oaklawn. We went to Aqueduct. We went to Turfway Park. You go to the Easy Win Forms to try to figure it out. Amazing card at the fairgrounds on Saturday. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.